0: Chapter 8. Revelation. Han flew many missions for the Elysians during the next three months. Several times he was able, with Merg's complicity, to make small side runs to hone his piloting skills and to allow Merg to practice with the weaponry. Han successfully landed vessels on airless moons, on ice moons, even on a small asteroid, barely bigger than his ship. He learned to dock with a space station, matching airlocks perfectly on the first try. As a result of Han's run-in with the pirates, the Yelitian huts increased the weaponry and equipped their ships with better shielding. They also tightened the security surrounding the dates and locations of their shipments, and refused to agree to any more off-planet rendezvous points. Instead... Han was ordered to fly his cargo to a planet and exchange the processed spice for the raw materials, planet-side. In a populated area, there was less chance of a double-cross that might lead to an ambush. Terro made it clear to Murg that Vic Drago had passed Muster as a trustworthy employee, so Murg no longer felt compelled to spend every waking moment with the Corellian. The big Tagorian was still bound by his promise to guard the pilot, however, and Murg never forgot that. True to his promise, Teruenza interviewed Bria and gave the Corellian woman the job of maintaining and cataloging his collection. Han was able to see her every day he was on Elisha. Once she began getting better food in the mess hall and healthy exposure to fresh air and sunlight, that pale wan, too thin look, vanished— And her eyes grew bright, her step lighter, and her smile came more readily. She liked her new job, both because she enjoyed caring for the antiquities and because she felt that serving the high priest was a sacred honor. Bria continued to attend prayer times every morning and devotions every evening. When Han was on Yelisha, he usually walked her to and from the service. Bria was offered a room in the administration center, but told Terowenza that she preferred to stay in the pilgrim's dormitory. Not only did she enjoy the company of her fellow pilgrims at prayer time, but she found she was uneasy at the thought of occupying an apartment in the same building as Vic Drago. Bria Theron was still wary of the Corellian, still unwilling to respond to the feelings he awakened in her. She was a pilgrim. She reminded herself constantly. Her loyalty, her duty, her spiritual self was reserved for the one and the all. Still, there was no doubt that she enjoyed Vic's company. He was so alive, so full of energy, so charming and attractive. Bria... I'd never met anyone like him. During the hour before evening devotions, when her daily work with the high priest's collection was done, Bria developed the habit of searching out Vic and Merg. They were almost always together, and then the three of them would go to the mess hall for a cup of stim tea together. Bria walked through the jungle, enjoying the small respite from the heat that the lowering sun brought. A breeze was blowing in off the ocean, which was where she was headed. She walked quickly, feeling the skirts of her tan pilgrim's robe brushing the plants that grew along the edges of the path. Brilliant flowers hung from drooping vines, scarlet, purple, and green-yellow. Their sharp, slightly astringent scent made her nostrils flare as she passed them. The exalted one, Teruenza, had told Bria that she was free to put on regular clothing in place of her bulky pilgrim garb, pointing out that it would make it easier to tend his collection. But so far, the girl clung to her robes as she clung to her vows. The young Karelian woman reached the mud flats and paused to make an obeisance before the mud wallow where two priests lounged. Both ignored her, but Bria was used to that. Priests paid little attention to pilgrims, unless they needed to direct them in their work. That was natural. Their minds were on higher things, soaring on spiritual planes that humanoids like Bria could not hope to reach. The first time Bria had seen the priests wallowing in the red, stinking mud, she'd been shocked. It was unsettling to see them indulging in such a Secular activity. But over the past three months, ever since she'd come to work for his exaltedness, Teruenza, Bria had gotten used to seeing them. She was glad that she no longer had to work in the darkness of the Glitterstim factory. Working in the administration building was much nicer. Climate-controlled, with good lighting, and the food, the food was much Better. It had taken Bria nearly a full month to be able to eat a regular meal. At first, she'd been so listless, so drained of energy, she'd just picked at her food. As she'd been doing for months. The medical droid had had to treat her for malnutrition, as well as traces of fungi-induced blood sickness. But now, she was fine. Things were much better for her, she had to admit, since Vic had come into her life. If only— Bria frowned and sighed— if only Vic were a pilgrim, too. Then they could worship together, attend prayer times together, and receive the sacrament of exaltation together. But Vic, she couldn't escape the fact that he was an unbeliever, even though he'd never admitted to it. Vic believed in nothing but himself. When they attended devotions together, he would hold her arm or her hand to steady her on the way back to her dorm. The touch of his hand made her question her devotion to the one, the all. And Bria didn't like that. She wanted nothing to shake her faith or make her question her vows. By now, she'd reached the sand dunes, as she'd half expected. She heard the sound of a blaster bolt whine and sizzle. Vic, she called, not wanting to sneak up on a man who was doing target practice. Vic, it's me. As she climbed to the top of the dune, the wind grabbed her robes and whipped them about her legs. She had to hold onto her cap, lest it be blown off by the ocean wind. Below her, on the beach, she could see Vic. Legs braced in a shooter's stance, his blaster in its holster, which he wore slung low, far down his thigh. Murg was some distance from the Corellian, holding several black ceramic target pieces. Without warning, the big Tagorian flung two of the targets into the air, one high and to his left, the other low and to his right. Vic's hand was a blur of motion, so fast that Bria's eyes could barely follow it. A blaster bolt shattered first the rightmost, then the left target piece. Tiny droplets of slagged ceramic rained into the restless Yalician surf. Merg yowled his approval. Vic turned, ready to practice distance shooting at the stationary target they'd set up. Then he spotted Bria at the top of the dune. With a wave and grin, he holstered his blaster and loped toward her. Bria was struck, as she always was, by how good-looking he was, with his regular features, brown hair and eyes, and lean build. Taken altogether, he wasn't actually a classically handsome man, but any woman who'd ever been on the receiving end of his smile wouldn't notice that. Hi! he yelled, running up to her. Before Bria could fend him off, he dropped a kiss on her forehead. Breathless, she pushed him away. No, Vic, that's against my vows. I know, he said unrepentantly, but someday, honey, you're going to kiss me back. I wondered if you wanted to go for stim tea before devotions, she said. Not today, he said. "'suddenly serious, looking down into her face. "'There's something we need to talk about, Bria. "'I've waited until you were better, "'because I'm afraid it's going to be a shock. "'But you've got to find out sometime.' "'Bria looked up at him, wondering what was going on. "'What are you talking about, Vic?' "'Let's go and sit down,' he said. "'Over here, on the beach, okay?' He led her over to a smooth spot in the sand. And when Merg came up to see if they were going back, Vic shook his head. Give us a little privacy for a while, pal, okay? The Tagorian walked away up the dune. Bria watched as his inky form vanished behind the hill of sand. Her heart began to race as Vic took a small device out of his pocket. This is the audio log recorder I pulled out of the Dream's control panel. He told her, I'm going to play a recording I made a couple of months ago before Tarawenza asked you to look after his collection. Just be patient and listen, okay?" I don't know. I can tell I'm not going to like this, she muttered. I've got a bad feeling about that recording. Please, he said, for me. Bria nodded, her hands twisting in her lap. Suddenly, the ocean breeze, instead of seeming pleasant, made her shiver despite the sun dipping toward the west. Vic turned on the recorder. Bria listened to the conference that ensued. Heard Vic greet the priests and heard them invite him to take a mud bath. Bria recognized exalted Teruenza's and Sacred Dot Veratil's voices talking to the pilot. Mud bath. They were saying how relaxing mud baths were. Bria stirred restlessly, and Vic held up a warning finger and mouthed, waked. She forced herself to sit still, though she was becoming increasingly uncomfortable. Surely the priests had not known that Vic was recording their conversation. His actions were worse than eavesdropping, more like outright spying. Then, Bria caught her breath in dismay. She heard Veratil and Terowenza laughing and talking about the exaltation. They were saying it was not a divine gift. They were saying it had nothing at all to do with the one or the all. Bria's eyes widened, then narrowed in fury. And she shot to her feet. The wind whipped her pilgrim's cap off, allowing her golden red curls to spring free. But she paid no attention. She was trembling with anger as she faced Vic. Seeing her reaction, he shut off the recorder and stood to face her. How could you? Bria demanded, her voice low and shaking. I thought you were my friend. He stepped toward her, hands raised, placatingly. Bria, sweetheart, I am your friend. I did it for you. You need to know the truth. I'm sorry you're... Bria's hand and arm seemed to move of their own volition, coming up in a roundhouse slap that connected solidly with his cheek. Vic staggered back, hand pressed to his face. You're lying, she cried. Lying! You faked that to make me break my vows. Admit it! He dropped his hand and stood staring at her, and his eyes were full of sadness and pity, Slowly, Vic shook his head. I'm sorry, babe, he said. Sorry that I can say, but I didn't fake it. What you heard is the truth, and getting mad at me won't change that. Terro and his crew don't have any divine gifts. They invented this whole scam just to get factory workers and slaves to sell. The print of her hand was darkening on his cheek. Dull red where she'd struck him. Bria could see the marks of her fingers. She fought the impulse to throw herself at him, babbling apologies. How could she have hurt him like that? At the same time, though, she was angry clear through. Bria could feel her face working. Her chin trembled as she tried to control herself. No! She clenched her hands. No, that's not true. You faked it. What are you, telepathic? How did you know about Sacredot Palazidar? You weren't even here then. He shook his head. I didn't know, Brian. I didn't know, and I didn't fake this recording. I'm going to prove that to you. Digging into his pocket, he held out a small black vial. Brian knew only too well what it was. Glitterstim. Where did you get it? Light-fingered it during a delivery, Vic said. You know what it can do, right? Slowly, Brian nodded. This is the only way I can prove to you I'm not lying. If you open it, expose it to light, then swallow it, it'll give you temporary telepathic abilities. You'll be able to read my mind, and you'll know that I'm not lying about the exaltation and that I didn't fake that recording. Here he reached out and dropped it into her hand. Take it. Bria looked down at the tube. I... I need to think about this, Vic. I need to decide what to do. I'm not lying, honey, I swear. He came closer to her, reached out to take her hands. Trust me. She backed away from him. Just... leave me alone for now, Vic. I'll... see you later. After the devotion. Right now I have to go. He looked at her. You could skip it this once. It's not like anyone takes roll call. Skip the exaltation. Bria felt physically sick at the thought, and her reaction terrified her. What if Vic was right? What if the exaltation was nothing more than a combination physical and mental vibration from an alien species. If no divine gift was present, then the pilgrims were no better than addicts getting a fix. Bria gazed into Vic's eyes and had a queasy feeling that he was telling the truth. Her fingers tightened over the small black cylinder of glitter stim. Here lay her answer. With this, she could find out the truth. She turned and began walking away, leaving him there on the beach. Bria heard Vic call out to her, but she waved him away and kept moving. She didn't have much time if she was going to make it to the devotion on schedule. Half an hour later, she stood amid the hordes of pilgrims, watching the sun set in bloody splendor behind the altar of promises. It was almost time for the exaltation. She glanced around her, thinking that if she was going to do this, It had better be soon. Surreptitiously, her fingers withdrew the black cylinder from the pocket of her robe. Light. She needed light to activate the glitter stem. And yet she couldn't do it while anyone would see. Finally, the moment came that she was waiting for, the signal to the faithful that the exaltation was about to begin. Bria had stationed herself in the crowd, so that she had a clear view of the High Priest and the Sacred Dots as they led the pilgrims in the devotion. But she was far back in the crowd, far enough back that she ought to be able to shield the glitter stim with her wide sleeve, so its activation wouldn't be noticed by the Talanda Till and the other pilgrims would be so busy with the exultation that they'd probably barely notice a blaster bolt. All around her pilgrims were falling to their knees. Bria let herself follow them, and as she did so, she flipped open the top of the vial of glitter stim. Under the cover of her body, as she bent forward from the waist, she pulled free the fibrous dose of the drug, and wondered for an insane second whether this was a dose she herself had prepared. As the pilgrims prostrated themselves, the priest's throat pouches began to distend. As the beginnings of the vibrating hum resounded through the air, Bria held the glitter stem before her, full in the last rays of the setting sun. Within seconds it activated, sparking blue, but none of the pilgrims noticed, and the effect was hidden from the high priest. Even though she'd never taken glitter stem before, Bria knew exactly how many seconds to wait. A moment later, she shoved it into her mouth and allowed her saliva to quench the sparking substance. As she mouthed the drug, then swallowed it. The exultation began. Bria shuddered as though she'd been blaster shot. The effects of the glitter stim were immediate. Blood rushed through her body like a ship going into hyperspace. Her head pounded. But the physical effects were as nothing to the mental ones. Her mind opened in a way she'd never afterward be able to describe. As the waves of the exultation took her, she experienced the pleasure of all the other pilgrims in the crowd. The sensation was so overwhelming that she almost passed out. Only the anger that had been simmering inside her ever since Vic had played that recording kept her sane and focused. To open my eyes, she thought. Focus. Gagging, gasping, Bria opened her eyes, shuddering as the waves of pleasure racked her with such intensity. They were nearly transformed into pain. She stared at Teroenza, forcing herself not to look away, to narrow her mind to only encompass his. Images, alien images, flooded Bria's mind, stamping themselves indelibly into her consciousness. No matter how much she wished to forget, she knew she never, ever would. Teruenza's mind, like that of every sentient, was full of surface trivia. Wondering what he'd have for dinner. Boredom with the ceremony. Thoughts of the new security measures the huts had ordered him to implement. A minor gastrointestinal churn in his middle. There was not a hint of divinity in the high priest's mind. He did not believe in the one or the all. As a matter of fact, Teru Enzo was proud of himself for inventing the one and the all, so these credulous pilgrims could have something to believe in. Bria gagged, her mouth filled with the bitter aftertaste of the glitter stem. It was hard to think. With the exultation going on, but she forced herself to stay attuned to the High Priest's mind, sifting, making absolutely certain that what he was doing was purely a physical and mental trick, something that all males of his species could do on demand. Suddenly, Tarawanza jerked, looking around him wildly, his mind filled with suspicion, then certainty. He knew! He was being telepathically probed. The exultation wavered, then lessened abruptly as the high priest stopped humming. The sacred dots continued in a ragged chorus, but without their leader, the exultation stopped dead. Pilgrims cried out with shock, and some even faint Bria pulled her mind free from Tarouenza's, and joined the crowd of pilgrims who were moaning in distress, crying, and stumbling back and forth, disoriented. Some stood shivering and whining as they gazed beseechingly at the priests. Tarouenza lumbered off the dais by the altar and began thrusting his way into the crowd. The Talandatil peered down into faces, distractedly muttering, Blessings as he tried to cover up the fact that he was desperately searching for the pilgrim who had just scanned his mind. Luckily, Bria was far back in the crowd, quite near the end of the amphitheater. She let herself be shoved backward off the permacrete, until her feet encountered gooey jungle loam. With a single quick, decisive movement, Bria dug her toe into a lump of trampled leaves and mud and lifted it. Her fingers released the glitter-stimmed cylinder, and it fell, landing in the center of the hole. Bria turned, and as she did so, her foot pressed the lump of mud back down into the jungle floor. The entire sequence of events had taken only a second. She began edging her way along the back of the crowd toward the path, allowing herself to be carried along with the tide of incoherent, querulous, confused, and dissatisfied pilgrims. A cautious glance behind her assured her that Teruenza had abandoned his search Apparently having realized how hopeless it was And how much his atypical behavior was upsetting the pilgrims Bria hoped that he'd put the entire experience down to some relative newcomer Deciding to experiment with a stolen vial of glitter stim She moved numbly down the path, her footsteps slow and unsteady The effects of the glitter stim had faded so much that she was barely aware of the thoughts and emotions of those immediately around her. She wasn't surprised when Vic fell into step beside her. As usual, he took her arm to help support her. Bria leaned against him, grateful for his support, and felt his arm go around her waist until he was half holding her up. The swift, equatorial dark was all around them now. Bria could barely see Vic. He led her down the path, avoiding the worst "'of the mud puddles. "'Then, when they reached the dorm, she stopped. "'I'm... not going in there just yet,' she mumbled. "'I need... I need to talk to you, Vic.' "'He nodded, his features barely visible in the light cast from the open doors. "'Okay. I don't think anyone will mind if we go up to the mess hall for a cup of stim tea. "'You look like you could use it.' "'Together they turned away into the darkness.' "'Bria leaned on Vic as they went up the path. "'She had never felt so weary. "'A droid would have moved with more animation. "'When they reached the mess, hall, Vic sat her down "'and fetched them cups of stim tea, "'plus a sugared pastry, which he pushed at Bria. "'Here,' he said. "'Eat this. You look like you need it.' "'Obediently she sipped her tea and nibbled on the pastry. "'She hadn't had dinner, and the food seemed to steady her. "'Bring the world back into focus.' She leaned toward Vic, ready to talk, but even as she opened her mouth, he shook his head warningly. Guess I'd better get you back to your dorm, he said loudly. I'll teach you to skip meals, nine two one. I thought you were going to pass out on me back there. Taking the hint, Bria got to her feet in silence and followed him out. When they reached the outside of the administration building, Vic pulled out a pair of infrared goggles and pulled them on. You got yours? Nodding, Bria located them and pulled them into place. The night suddenly resolved itself into ghostly black and greenish-white images. She could see Vic's face now, half hidden as it was by the goggles. His arm came around her again as they started down the jungle path together. You took the glitter, Stim, he said quietly. Yes, she said, feeling as numb as if she'd been beaten into unconsciousness. You were right. Forgive me for doubting you. Hey, he said, trying to sound cheerful and failing utterly. I'd have wanted to check out my story, too, in your place. Was it? Was it rough? She nodded, and suddenly feeling rushed back in a black tide, leaving her shaking and gasping. Oh, Vic, she babbled. I was in his mind, Terolenza's mind, and it was terrible. No divine gift, just a bored, selfish sentient who wants to get richer so he can add to his collection. Take it easy, he said, holding her shoulders to steady her. You've had an awful shock. I feel, I feel so... Betrayed. Bria got out, between chattering teeth. It was terrible. Hey there, sweetheart. His arms went around her, and the expression of sympathy was her undoing. Bria began to sob, huge, gulping, racking sobs that hurt. Vic helped her take her goggles off. Then he just held her, stroking her hair, patting her back, murmuring soothing reassurances and endearments. She held on to the front of his coverall with both hands, twisting and wringing the fabric, and weeping so hard she scared herself. Bria had never cried like this before. The sense of desolation was terrible. I don't have anything left. She choked out between spasms of crying. Nothing, nothing. Of course you do, Vic murmured, kissing her cheek gently. You've got us, right. Ah, us, she whispered. Sure, we're going to be together, sweetheart. We're going to get off this hellish planet, and we're going to be happy. She raised her head. Staring blindly into the darkness, her night sight could barely make out the lighter blur of his face. But they never let pilgrims go, Bria mumbled. I read that in Teruenza's mind. We won't ask him, honey. We'll just up and go. Escape, she whispered. You got it, he said. As soon as I can figure out a way to do it, we're going to get out of here. I've already begun thinking about it. He gave her a quick kiss on her cheek. Trust me, I've had experience at this kind of thing. I'll figure it out. But, But your money, she said, you're under contract, and you can't break it. If you run away, you'll lose your money. You told me you needed those credits. They're paying you to try and get into the academy. How can you give that up? He shrugged. One credit is as good as another. I'll just have to get it out of Terowenza another way. Bria's mind was fogged with exhaustion and the grief of betrayal. It took her a full minute to realize what Vic was talking about. The collection, she whispered. You're planning to steal Terowenza's collection and escape. Pretty good, he said approvingly. "'You sure you're not still having some of those glitter-stim insights?' "'I don't think so,' Bria said wearily. "'I just know that you've asked me about it a lot of times. Asked me what items are the most valuable. "'You really think you can break the security locks and steal the collection?' "'Not the whole thing,' he said. "'It'd take a bigger cargo ship than any on Yalisha to haul it all away.' I'm just going to take the small stuff, the really valuable small stuff. He looked at her intently. And you're going to help me, right? She hesitated. Stealing antiquities was contrary to everything she'd ever believed in. But Terrell Enza's antiquities weren't in a museum where the public could see them. They were being hoarded by a greedy private collector if Vicks stole them. They'd be put back into circulation, and there was a good chance that at least some of them would wind up on public display in some store or gallery. Okay, Bria said. She drew a long, shaky breath. I'll help you, Vic. Good. You and me. We're gonna swipe a ship, and we're getting ourselves off this planet. I'm sick of the heat sick of the humidity and sick to death of these priests and their hokey religion. Bria took a deep breath. Leave here? Never attend devotion and receive the exaltation again? How can I live without it? Resolutely, she put the question out of her mind. She'd manage, somehow. Maybe she could wean herself away from it over the next week or so until they left. There's just one more thing, Vic, she said uncertainly. What, sweetheart? Murk. What about Murk? You told me that he'd given his word to guard you, that he's as much your guard as your protector. What will you do about him? Vic drew a long breath, and she saw the blur of his face move as he shook his head. That's the Vrelt in the kitchen." He said, using an old Karelian phrase for bad luck or disaster. I don't know what I'm going to do about him. I really like the big guy, but he's told me about the word of honor code of his people. I'm afraid he'll be loyal to Terro Enza no matter what. You mean if he finds out what we're planning, he'll turn us in? Good chance of it. Oh, Vic. There was a catch in her voice. What are we going to do? What if we can't get away? Don't worry, honey. Leave that to me. Vic sighed. If I have to, I'll deal with Murg. I'm a better shot than he is. And much faster on the draw. You shoot him? If it's a choice between you and me or Murg? Yeah, I will. I just wish I could convince him to throw in with us. If he did... I'd take him wherever he wanted to go and give him enough credits to continue his search. Search? Yeah. He's looking for his mate. And he came here thinking she came to Yelisha, But he guessed wrong. Tagorians are rare. So rare that I'd never even heard of them till I got here. If a female Tagorian was here, she'd stick out like a sore thumb. Bria drew in her breath, startled. But there was another Tagorian here, I remember seeing one, oh six, maybe eight months back. I just caught the one glimpse, but I'm sure of the species, really, Was it a male or a female? What did it look like? I have no idea what sex she said. I don't think this Tagorian was as big as Merg. It was white with orange stripes. I think. I saw it one evening, just after devotions, and it was getting dark. I'll have to tell Mur. Vic said. Those priests lie for a living. It's entirely possible. Murrov, I think that's her name, has been here on Yelisha the whole time. Maybe at Colony 2 or 3. He fell silent. Bria stood there, mulling over what he'd just said, and finally she couldn't stand it any longer. Please, Vic, she pleaded. Tell me you didn't mean that about shooting Merg if he tries to prevent us from stealing Terroenza's collection. There's got to be a way to avoid that. Bria liked Merg. Over the past couple of months, she'd gotten to know him a little, and she admired the big felonoid. I'll take care of him, whatever it takes. If I have to, I'll shoot him. Vic's voice was grim but maybe I can just stun him or give him a knock on that thick skull of his. Leave him tied up so the priests won't blame him when we make our getaway. Oh, eh. Bria's eyes filled with tears again. Please try to figure out something so Murk doesn't get hurt. You're good at that. I will, sweetheart. He said, I will. He leaned forward to drop a quick kiss on her forehead, and this time she did not remind him of her vows. I have no vows, Bria thought dully as they began walking back toward her dorm. No vows, no religion, nothing at all. She glanced sideways in the darkness. Nothing except Vic. Merg glided soundlessly out of the jungle and stepped onto the path. The Tagorian's night vision was far better than a human's. He could easily make out the distant pair walking down the path. They were almost to the dorm. The felinoid had been creeping through the jungle with exaggerated care for the past couple of minutes, determined to get close enough to overhear their whispered conversation. The Tagorian had only managed to get close enough to catch the tail end of what they'd been discussing. But he'd heard enough. Pilot and Bria were planning to escape. They were planning to steal from his masters. Pilot was planning to take care of Merg. The Togorian shook his massive head unhappily. Merg had given his word of honor to his masters. His course should be clear. But it wasn't. He knew well enough what he should do. He should go to Teruenza tomorrow morning and tell him what he'd overheard. Or perhaps he, Murg, should kill Pilate himself and tell the priest why, after the deed was done. But he stood there, hesitating. It was obvious that Pilate was desperate enough to shoot him to get away. Murg had given his word of honor to guard Pilate. But Pilate was also Vic. And Murg had come to think of Vic as a friend. Vic was determined to protect his female. Murg could understand that. He'd do almost anything to protect Morov, if he could only find her. Murg growled low in his throat. Perhaps he should pretend to be friendly so that Pilate would allow him to get close enough to use his teeth and claws. Murg was an expert hunter. Once he'd gotten hold of his prey, there was no escape. Could he kill Vic to keep his word of honor? Murg growled again and turned back into the jungle. Tonight he would hunt and he would kill. He would tear open and consume his fresh prey. Perhaps that would clear his mind, and then he would be able to decide what to do. Murg glided beneath the giant trees as silent and invisible as a wraith.